The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Break, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Game week Thursday, and it's ETSU Carson Newman. Carson and Newman. We will talk to the Newman Eagles, or at least the radio guy, Adam Cavalier. Hello, Newman. So we will talk to Adam. Did he win the Jim Nance Award? Cavalier? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. One of the Jimmy Nance's awards. I will not have a Cavalier attitude about what awards you may or may not have won. You can do this all day, can't you, man? I could. Yeah. I could. Unfortunately, we're not going to do it all day. No. Uh, Speaking of things I could do all day, I just had a conversation with Sino Asane, the midfielder for ETSU women's soccer. And it was supposed to be like a 15-minute sit-down, and it went for an hour. Uh, But she just got, if you don't know, if you hadn't seen the news by now, she has been called up to uh, represent South Africa. Uh, her, her, and not, not like the under-19 national team or the under-23 national team or anything like that. She is on the full national team with her twin sister and will play against the United States on September 21st in Cincinnati and September 24th at Soldier Field in Chicago in Megan Rapinoe's final international match. How cool is that? Unbelievable. She is the, uh, my research was the seventh player in the last 13 years at ETSU to be capped by her home country. We had three Austrians, an Italian, a Greek, a Swiss, and now a South African. Well, she hasn't gotten her first cap yet. She she still has to get on the field, but once she steps on the field in a competitive game um, or in a game, because it's a friendly, I don't know if that's technically a competitive game yet, but when she steps on the field, she will have won her first cap, and that will make her the seventh Buccaneer in the last 13 years and I believe the seventh Buccaneer ever to win a cap and the first to play against the USWA team. Yeah, that's always going to be my next question is how many played against uh, the U.S. because there are None. zero U.S. Uh, for ETSU right now. Right. You know, but I just wondered. So, okay, does that answer my second question? Or the first question? Whatever question it was. Yes. Uh, so she's going to play with Banyana Banyana, and they uh, that's what they call them. That means the girls. Bafana Bafana is the boys. And that's what they call the men's national team. But uh, Banyana Banyana, of course, just uh, got to the round of 16 for the first time ever. They beat Italy in an awesome final match um, in the uh, in the group stage to get there. And, yeah, made a little bit of history, and now we're going to make a little more. And I told Sino, I said, you need to get a picture with Megan Rapino And Julie Ertz, because Julie Ertz is going to play her last game of professional soccer in Cincinnati. So... Like you get, get get pictures with the legends. Let people know you were there. That's what I would do. Mm-hmm. If you can get the jersey exchange, which I doubt because it's going to be their last. I'm guessing. Nah, I think that. you're going to hang on to that one. That's uh, that would be my guess. I, I would I would hang on to that one, um, unless you lose, and then maybe you think, eh, you know what? Let's let's find a happier memory. Well, if you remember in uh, Mia Hamm and her final game in the second half, she came out with Garcia Bar. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. But she, even, you know, that was her technical married name, but she right. still went by Mia Hamm. Yep. And she had never won Garcia Parra. And at halftime, that was the big thing. She came out and she actually had the Garcia Parra on the back, played for, you know, 15 minutes or so, and then, and then got the, the, you know, the curtain call. Yeah, I don't remember that. I, I actually don't remember, don't remember that, that at all, but that's really cool. That's, uh, I don't I have no idea why I remember that. I think because Garcia Parra was playing for the Cubs at the time. So that's probably the reason but congratulations to Sino joining the ranks that are paced by Sarah Zadrazil. 109 caps for Austria, by the way. Uh, the fourth most in the history of Austrian women's soccer. So they love her over there. She plays for Bayern Munich. And you're like, yeah, no, that's she's pretty good. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's a, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good place to be. Uh, but, yeah, Sino is uh, the latest to get the call up to the senior national team of her home country of South Africa. Well, it's not the same thing as a, a cap for your country, but will Tim Dorsey get a cap in this game? It's 
He will, he will wear a large, round, hard plastic cap with lots of foam in it. Question is, and let's just jump right into it. The number one question is, how is Tyler Idell? Is he going to go? I'm sure you've gotten that as much as I have. He is still questionable he is, as of now. He's questionable. Uh, we're trying to get him ready. I've talked to him in the hallway. This was yesterday afternoon. He told me he's going to give it a go. I've talked to the coaches. They're not so sure. And I think it's going to be one of these, obviously, game time decision. Yep. And uh, to record on Thursday, they've not practiced yet. So there's a lot of There's Thursday. Correct. There's Friday. It's Saturday's still another day away after that. So there'll be a lot um, of figuring out from yes. him, the trainers, the coaches. My guess is if he is good to go, they will play him. If To me, if there's any question on should he or shouldn't he, I by no means the coach, but I would caution him, don't go. And wait and see what happens. If he's ready to go Austin P. And to be honest with you, if he's doing ready to go Austin P, I don't know that that's the, the, the end of the world, per se, because you have a bye week before you get into league play. So he's really got three weeks. Now, that being said, I hope he's back this week. And if he's not, I hope he's back Austin P. And we'll just have to wait and see. Now, obvious, I think, moving into that role would be Baron Mays. He got all the snaps in the second half and one snap uh, for the start, uh, last play of the first quarter. Rydell yes, that's when Rydell had landed on it and was kind of, uh, Yeah, for, for yeah. A, a half, a half, well, one play, and he was running back out in the end of the quarter, so he was going to be back out there. So, And then Timmy Dorsey, coach said, Monday coaches show, the analyst of George Bowles. Coaches show is live while in cafes. It will once have a engine. It says 7 o'clock every Monday. You can listen on the radio. We have an app. It's on iTunes. You can also do it on Facebook Live. Plenty of ways to listen to head coach George Corals. But Coach Corals, and it's also archived on Facebook, I'm sure you go back and listen to yourself, but he said he thought Timmy Dorsey, if uh, Rodell doesn't go and Baron Mays in there, that they were going to try to get Timmy Dorsey some snaps in there. And so that's sort of the quarterback situation. We're going to see Rydell until either he can't go because of injury or hopefully things are going really well and you just put other folks in to get some reps, or it's going to be Baron May or Baron May and Timmy Dorsey or Baron May and another quarterback of some kind. The only other real injury note um, that I've got so far, and I think most fans probably know this, but uh, Trey Foster is going to be out. Um, yes, he will miss uh, probably a fair amount of time after he landed hard on his arm, uh, catching. I think it was just catching a swing pass or something in the flat and just got drilled. And uh, he will be, he will likely be out for a bit. I would not expect to see Trey Foster for a little bit. Yeah, and uh, you know DeAndre Davis probably still out for Sanford. Davis will be out until yeah. And I'm not sure about Campbell this year. My guess is the best chance for him to go is probably Austin P. But I don't know for sure. I feel like that's the case. Um, I haven't seen him practice this week. He's been doing laps up top on the concourses. He's been doing time on the bike. He's been doing a lot of different stuff, but. Uh, he has not uh, gone through drills with the team with a hand injury uh, that kind of crept up late in camp and has kept him out for the first week. I would expect it to keep him out this week, and then ex- and then I would be much more optimistic that he'll be back at it for Austin P, which is really when they're going to need him True. just to create mismatch problems. And I'm uh, I'm not going to break down right now a lot of the Carson Newman stuff because we're going to talk to Adam Cavalier a little bit. We'll talk to him. Yeah. Uh, but ETSU, my, my thoughts after going back and watching the, the game again, because I feel like for me, I'm so locked into a lot of other things. Sometimes I think I miss certain things. Gallaudet's was unbelievable. Second watch as he was the first. And I think Jalen George had an incredible game going back and watching. There were times where his job was to just fight off the blocker and turn something back in or stretch it out as long as you could against, you know, fifth-year senior guys. And he was tremendous at that. And I think he showed – him and Mike Jenkins showed really well on my second watch through the tape. I thought both those young guys in their first uh, college action Mm -hmm. looked ridiculously good for ETSU. And to me, that's a big big upside. I was pleasantly surprised by Teddy Wilson. I, I, I thought 
first game, you know, not being here until really the second day of camp, I was like, this could be a roller coaster. And I didn't think it was. I, I thought he played pretty well, all things considered. Now, they're keeping things very simple for him because, again, he didn't have a spring. He hasn't really had a chance. He's kind of had to pick up the defense on the fly. Uh, you want him to do that very slowly and gradually. Uh, this is not a drink from the fire hose situation. This is a keep it slow, keep it steady, keep it simple, get your feet under you, and then we'll add another layer to what we're doing. But Wilson, I thought, looked pretty good. Uh, Mike Jenkins played fine. Some things that he could do better. But first college game, he played all 73 snaps on defense. Hachi machi. That's a lot, especially for a kid. Um, I asked him, you know, do you need a little more time in the ice bath after that? And he kind of smiled and he said, actually, not really. No, just more, more just focused on the fact that we didn't, we didn't play well as a team. We lost as a team and we're going to get back at it. So I like this kid. I think he's going to go far. No, I, I think, uh, you know, early in the game, he laid a big hit too. So, he did. you know, considering, you know, what he was asked to do. And I thought Jordan Hoskins in his first action, and he's, they've thrown more at him on the inside, but then they kind of have to. You know, there's one play that sticks out where, you know, I didn't catch it the first time. I know Robert Harper brought it up um, on the broadcast. And then seeing the play again, you clearly got a little excited on one play and overran and allowed him to go back for a touchdown. But for the most part, I thought he did a great job, uh, you know, filling gaps, making sure-handed tackles, which sometimes has been a problem from the inside linebackers. The other thing is, is pressure on the quarterback. That's, you know, ETSU had a lot of problems putting any type of pressure on the quarterback. And so far, you know, again, a small sample size, but there are, you know, Jalen George, Devin Brantley, even Ray Coney, Hot Rod Fitton, yep. when they were able yep. to get in. I mean, guys were getting Steven Scott, blew through a couple of holes. I mean, there were plays to be made. And to me, that's an encouraging sign because that was really an area that cost ETSU last year. Fitton is a third down beast. I think that's a guy that you put out there, third and six, third and eight, if you can get him in third and six, third and eight, and you say, go find the quarterback and put him on the deck. And I, I think that is a, 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 a it's just somebody that's just explosive. You know, with a hand technique and other stuff, maybe he's still a little rough around the edge, but it's just so explosive off the snap. He can get around people. He's got decent bend to him. I like this guy. I think he's going to play an, an integral role in ETSU's pass rush later in the year. A couple stats to throw at you that I've been able to break down the tape and the stats. First down plays, that was a huge thing. You know, I chart the first, I chart the third. Obviously, it's easy to look at one for 11 on third down. No, it's not good. You're one for eight on third and long, which means you're 0 for. Eight third and longs is too many, yeah. Yeah, but you're 0 for 2 on third short, you're 0 for 1 on the medium, you averaged 8.8 yards on third down, uh, definitely not good. But where ETSU did excel some on first down, out of the 25 first down plays, they had three plays that were 10 or more yards, and a couple of big plays, 28 yards, 39 yards, 30, 28 38, and 38, and 15 yards. Other than that, they had seven more plays where they had six or more yards, so between six and nine. That's a pretty solid guarantee. Only eight plays with two yards are negative. So out of the 56 plays, ETSU, uh, out of the 25 plays first down, only 32% of the time they got two yards or less. To put that in perspective, for a whole season last year, they were 43%. Almost half the plays went for two yards or less. And that includes incompletions, which go for obviously zero yards. But think about that. That were 43% last year. So they're already off to a better start there. Tyler Rydell in the Fifteen first down snaps. Each issue had 113 yards. That's averaging almost eight yards per play. Now that's great. They did have the 29 yard. They did have the 38. But they did have nine and six and nine and other plays. That, that's right where you want. That is an unbelievable number. Yes, you can average eight yards. Now some of this is skewed towards the end because the last four possessions, I believe, everybody knew you're just going to hand off and try to go home. And they had probably, I think they had no yards in those last four. I think they had gained two, one, then right, minus right. one, minus two. But the last 10 first down plays in the second half, they had 26 total yards, 2.6. So obviously that's not there. Again, I think that's not totally fair. 
because in the fourth quarter, both teams pretty much just wanted to get the game over with. And yeah. So that's there. But that's big for me that ETSU was, A, a little aggressive more on first down. Seven of ten passing on first down, including Barrett May in that number. Seven of ten passing on first down, 93 yards. Um, I, I, I thought – because a lot of times you have that conversation about the offense. Well, the offense only scored three points. What's well, the play calling? Well, it's this. Well, it's that. Well, you know, the, the old cliches. And I didn't really think any of those applied. It was the ETSU starting quarterback got hurt, and the offensive line looked like a team that it looked like a group that had never played together before, which is they hadn't. So I, I really didn't feel like it was things schematically that ETSU was or was not doing that created a situation where they didn't score a lot of points. And I think you kind of laid all that out as this is just a a perfect storm, really, against the Bucks that got out of hand in the really in the second quarter and then even more so in the third. And if you look at it realistically, talking about this game or the season, looked at the schedule, and everybody does it. You go, okay, win, loss, loss, win. And you do the, you know, your what I think they're going to go prediction. I would say about everybody that is any type of fan probably went loss win. And if ETSU takes care of business on Saturday, no matter how ugly the first game was or how dominant you may look in the second game, the reality is you're probably going to be one-on-one. You're exactly where you were, and week three is going to tell a lot about this team now. I think it was a good – I think ETSU would like to probably have that reversed if they had their druthers play Carson Newman to kind of get some kinks worked out versus Carson Newman at Spoon Jackson State. But you can look at that the other one and say, hey, you took on an FBS team. You kind of saw the speed because I don't think they're going to play a faster defense this year. They could play a bigger defense because, again, that wasn't particularly a huge defense. But I'm not sure they're going to play a faster defense than what you played. That's what you saw. That's what gave you problems. So you've got that going against you. Now you get a chance to, okay, how do we grow in the second game? And the question is if Tyler Rydell doesn't go, because he was really good about making a few checks, talking to a couple, uh, a couple offensive coaches, making checks to make sure the line knew what was going on. Right. That's going to be a problem. Uh, not a problem, but now Baron Mays, I think, is going to be focused on trying to get there. Rydell did exactly what we all thought he would do in this offense, which is feel more comfortable and show command of the scheme. And if Rydell feels confident and comfortable and in command of the offense, ETSU beats Wofford last year. They drive for the game-winning touchdown. They probably beat the Citadel last year because they're, they score the way more points. probably beat the Citadel last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he made a couple of mistakes that he did that cost that cost the team Correct. in critical spots because he wasn't comfortable with what he was seeing, and now he is. And now I thought that was abundantly clear when we saw healthy Ty in the first quarter against Jacksonville State. He seemed more comfortable pre-snap and post-snap in this offense. And if we get a healthy Tyler Rydell for Austin P, I don't know. I don't know that we will for Carson Newman. Uh, but if we get a healthy Tyler Rydell for Austin P, I think you're going to see a lot of the same things. Austin P's defense is sort of built around speed. They're not very big up front. Uh, they got mauled by Southern Illinois' offensive line, and I think that is a game that if you have Rydell and he's confident in what he sees and he's comfortable in the scheme you have the ability to put up some points. We'll see what happens with Carson Newman. Again, not sure if T.Y. is going to go. He I, I, he wants to. You would have to – he could not – I think, frankly, he's like the Black Knight in Monty Python. You could cut off his non-throwing arm, and he'd be like, come on, bring it. I can still play. You could cut off one of his legs. Like, I am invincible. I will play football today. Would have cut off his hair. Ooh. I have to call it a draw. That, that, that's, that's the one I think may get you. Cut off an appendage, fine. Hair, oof. I don't know. That's probably because I'm jealous. <laughs> he's, just, he's just that dedicated to football. And he, he knows that, like, this is his thing. This is what he wants to do. This is what he has signed up for. He will do it 
through whatever circumstances he can't, and he may just not be able to do it safely for his long-term outlook for the season against Carson Newman. If that's the case, you bring out Baron May. And um, I, I think we could all agree that last week left something to be desired, and this is the opportunity for him to show that he has better than that. And I would say, again, I, I can't stress this enough, but a lot, very rarely do you have two quarterbacks that do the exact same thing and are good at the exact same thing. So very true. If you know, and I know that they are working on a couple different game plans because there are certain plays that obviously Tyler Rodell likes, feels comfortable in, wants to run. Those aren't necessarily all the same plays that Baron May would feel comfortable in. Correct. Or Timmy Dorsey or Haynes Eller or insert any other quarterback at any other school, except for maybe Sanford. Other than that, for the most part, I think they will be working on a set of plays and set of things that will fit better Baron May. And not all run plays. There are certain pass plays. I just remember talking to Austin Herrick a lot during that 2019 year where he was offensive control guy. And when they're having all the injuries at the quarterbacks, and it's like, well, I see, no, we were always successful doing this. And he was like, oh, you know, that quarterback doesn't say that. And I'm in a meeting with Coach Sanders on Saturday morning. He's like, hey, what concepts do you feel comfortable with? What ones don't? And when he you know, didn't say the ones they wanted, he said, well, how do you feel confident calling those plays if the quarterback's like, I don't feel confident in that, right? So you take certain plays out of it. So right. I think the game plan for Baron May will look a lot better. Plus, you're probably not going to be down 21-3 where a team can just pin its ears back at some point because they know they have a lead and can take more chances. So there was a little bit of a perfect storm, I think, that, that kind of led into that. And there's obviously some ball security things that you just you uh, need to clean up no matter who's in the game. But it'll, it'll just be curious to see kind of how it shapes up if Tyler Rydell can't go and it's Baron May and just him or Baron May and Tim Dorsey or Baron May and others. We'll just have to kind of wait and see there. Uh, why don't we talk to Adam Cavalier and get to Carson Newman's tweeting. Let's do it. We still played the mini dome. I don't know if we can accommodate Robert. Oh, there's no way. So, all right, Adam. Enough about uh, Marshall here. Let's talk about your Eagles because outstanding week one, uh, about every facet of the game. But I want to start defensively because they were a lot of records set in a dominating performance. Yeah, I mean, the, the defense certainly showed up against Michigan and Pittsburgh. And let's uh, let's be honest. Certainly uh, isn't where it's going to be this Saturday. But uh, they 
to talk to you about the secondary, or I want you to talk to me about the secondary, because Major Williams is a name that I've heard a lot already from people. Uh, this is a guy that can be really explosive on special teams as well as a playmaker on defense. How big of a difference maker can he be for the Eagles uh, a, a, on the back end? I, I think you see, especially at this level, when you have guys who are pro prospects, they, um, they completely change majors. And I think you, you see that to a degree at the FCS level, too. Uh, Marshall, the anchor back was a Marco fan back in 
second because, you know, being a Carson Newman alum and coaching there for a while, certainly the split beer, or, you know, the option was a, a big part of what made them successful winning championships and everything and are kind of staying true to the option. But it's a whole different look from what I think most fans of Carson Newman saw back in the Ken Spark days. Yeah, if you, if you watch Carson Newman ball and Ken Spark, if you, even under Mike Turner, um, under Shadow T. Backs, history nerd and, and especially when it comes to college football and, and Carson Newman is the first opponent ever for ETSU back in 1920 and the series wow. hasn't been played regularly since the 50s it hasn't been played at all since the 70s but there's a lot of history between these two teams how much enthusiasm has there been around renewing this series with ETSU even though now I mean these two programs have been very different, very different, and uh, in ETSU's case, very, um, uh, we'll call it the scenic route through college football over the last, you know, 30, 40 years. Uh, is there a lot of excitement around renewing this series that has a lot of history to it from old time? somebody that has, you know, uh, 30, 31 games, depending on, you know, which, which history book you want to look at. But 
also, it, it, it dates so far back that you don't even know where some of these games are played. Like, did they play in Morristown? Was it a home? Was it away? Uh, so we've had a lot of that uh, kind of running joke between here. But my favorite is that, you know, ETSU had won, I think, five in a row in the 50s. And I said, well, Carson Newman got mad and we'll play more. And then they renewed it. And then Carson Newman won four in a row. And I guess ETSU got mad and didn't renew it. But now they got an opportunity to, to get back and get – here's what I like is you'll get a lot of local kids – you know, and, and local, I'm, I'm going to use a little bit of air quotes here because in football, local is, I know it's not quite right, but Knoxville East, right? You get a lot of kids go to yeah. ETSU, Knoxville East. You get a lot of kids, give or take Carson Newman, Knoxville East, and this is a good opportunity for ex-teammates to play against each other or folks that played against each other in the district or the regions. So this is a, just an exciting game where you can get a lot of Tri-Cities families back together in one spot and probably see the most Tri-Cities kids play at all. Safe travels up here on Saturday, and I look forward to seeing you up at Wade Bay Green Junior Stadium. The best games of the week, or at least the ones these two dorks want to watch. It's the pick six. You picked that up all by yourself? Yes, I did. 50-yard line, pick six. North Alabama at Tarleton. Is UNA... For real, after their win over Chattanooga, Massey says 62% Tarleton in Stephenville. And I'm going to agree with them. I'm going to go Tarleton State. I think sometimes you can get enamored with wins one way or another, and people lean certain ways, but I am going to take Tarleton. Why do you like the Texans more than the Lions? Because I think jumpstart with Chad kind of knocking the cobwebs off and maybe a little bit of a change. Plus, this is uh, on the road, correct? This is on the road. So, I would like to take home two. But they also did a, they had another 20 to nothing run later in that same game. Yeah, see, I don't like when you use facts, okay? I, I like it better when, when I get to pick and choose what I want to do. Uh, but I, I, did, I am not. UNA had a nice little game. It was a nice little win. They had some things go their way. I just not I think last week was the start of something. I'm going with the Lions. Okay. I just I watched um, Tarleton against McNeese, and I was kind of uninspired. I didn't think McNeese gave them much of a challenge. I think North Alabama will give them a little bit more. Now, this is uh, – and, and, and honestly, if anything, Chattanooga ran – or uh, uh, they uh, they threw the ball.
ball just as much as the Texans will in a typical game on Saturday. So it's not like they're looking for air, looking at air raid and going, oh, no, we're not prepared for this. I give, I'm going to take the Lions. I, I think this is for you, Mike Ezekiel. UNA is ready to make some noise. The Lions are ready to roar. I got a lion in my pocket. What's that, Prince? I think. 40-yard line, uh, Weaver State at Northern Iowa, Battle of the Big Cats. This feels like an annual game almost. These two teams play each other really, really tough every single year or at least every single time that they meet. Uh, Massey says 53% Northern Iowa. I said this last week. Northern Iowa generally at the end of the year, right? They're usually rocking It's usually the end of the year. Usually the end of the year. At the beginning of the year, they're usually not so much. Yeah. Yeah. I usually like home teams. I I don't think the Panthers are going to figure it out for a few more weeks. I'm going to go Weaver State on the road. I'm going to go Weaver State on the road as well. Oh, I thought I was going to maybe get one on you there. Okay. I'm going to go with the Wildcats as well. I just – I think that team is more feature complete. I don't know that their quarterback is as good as Theo Day, but I think that team just has more pieces that it knows where they fit, whereas Northern Iowa is going to need another week or two. 30-yard line. Mentioned Southern Illinois earlier in the pod. They are at Northern Illinois this weekend uh, as the Salukis take on the Huskies. Um, actually, yeah, because they and they also they spell the singular H U S K I E there as well. So uh, I, I just I find that fascinating. Uh, Massey says fifty four percent Northern Illinois, which is not in Chicago, by the way. It's like an hour west of Chicago. So, trying to do the math here. So, last week was there FCS FBS? Was it? There, there was, was not one. one. There was not one. Correct. Correct. I think there's going to be one this week. Uh, I know that's really going out on a limb because there's like you know a lot of those games going on still this week. <sighs> Is this the game? Yeah. Northern Illinois did beat Boston College in overtime in Boston, but that doesn't really tell you a whole lot. And sometimes I like going against teams that had a big win that play a team that they should steamroll. Because, again, one, I think you turn into the darling, you start believing stuff, they just come off a huge win, and then you got to, it's kind of the same theory, you know, App State goes, uh, wins at Texas A&M, and then drops a couple games, two of the next three, and it makes no sense, right? I'm talking a lot because I'm trying to figure out what I want to do here. I was leaning. You want me to go first? Yes. I think Nick Baker and that offense are really, really polished at Southern Illinois. They did a great job of busting up the seams of Austin P's zone coverage. Um, man-to-man, APSU really struggled to keep up with them, and I think that's going to continue. Uh, this is going to be a hard-fought game. It's a hard-nosed game, but it's going to be played in front of countless dozens in DeKalb. Give me the Salukis. I think the Salukis get the win on the road in an FCS-FBS clash. It's not a fun podcast if you're 0-3, so I'll take all of them. Okay. 20-yard line, Idaho at Nevada. Uh, now, I will say this again. I, I, I think the Vandals. I'm going to go straight Vandals. I'm not going to think about it. If, as soon as you said the two teams, that was the first one that popped off on the top of my head, and I think you know Nevada's been a little bit of a train wreck. Nevada. Right? Nevada. 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 Uh, it's been a train wreck lately, and so um, they get really defensive about that. By the way, well, that's great. If their mom's mad about it, they call me. But uh, I'm gonna go Idaho. Huh. I am. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't. I got a lot of weapons. They got an experienced quarterback. Um, they, they pasted Lamar. What does that tell you? Nevada. If I look at Nevada, what did Nevada do last week? I'm trying to find it. And I, I had it, and it just went away. Uh, but this, this is going to be a fourth-quarter game. It, it's going to be uh, down to the wire. Oh, uh, Nevada got pasted by USC. Honestly, I think Idaho could have probably kept it closer against USC than Nevada did. I'm going to take the Vandals as well. Ten-yard line, Sanford at Western Carolina. Well, it's only still in conference game, so I was hoping you're going to have it in there. We didn't talk a lot of Southern Conference because, I mean, there's a few games um, I think are in 
interesting. Some of them may pop up a little later. I mean, yeah, BMI is a buck now. I think actually Campbell Citadel's an interesting one. Fort Wofford has no shot at uh, Bill and Mary. Um, no, very I mean, yeah. none. I don't. You know, then you've got Furman in South Carolina. I mean, there's a couple other interesting type. Yeah, I, I gave some thought to Furman, South Carolina, but I wanted to keep, I don't I know. I think South Carolina's really mad. It's, if South Carolina would have beat North Carolina, that would have been the perfect time for me to probably break that out. But they lost, and they're going to be, I think, Freddie Mays or whoever it is. They, so I took that one off the board. But Campbell was not much of a fight last week. I thought they would be, so that's kind of interesting. All right, let's get back to this. Um, that was like a two-score game, wasn't it? Yeah. All right, a little tighter than that. I'm going to go, um, I think it's Samford, but let me say this. I think Western is going to put a scare into Samford, and I think Samford puts maybe a late touchdown to win by 14 to 17. But I think it's going to be going into the last quarter, maybe a um, 31-21 game, and then maybe Samford puts one there late. But I think uh, Western's going to give them a game, but I think Samford's going to have just too much. about this oh, okay. because here's the, the thing is it's a long pause the reason like, I was not just totally inspired by some of the pieces that Sanford put out there that are short which when you're playing shorter you're like uh oh uh, red maybe a red flag early in the season but Western Carolina I, I keep going back to the, the one that Cole Gonzalez missed 10 15 yards over receivers head where he was wide open running down the seam for a huge play, maybe even a touchdown. And then they brought in Dean after that, and he was worse. So I just don't think Western Carolina has quarterback figured out early enough in the season. For them to keep the offense on the field, I'm going to take Sanford. Goal line, Montana State at South Dakota State. Yeah, I figured that was going to be the... That's the, the game. The big uh, money matchup. This is game. one of the biggest games in college football this week. Hey, give credit. You mentioned it uh, maybe last show. In fact, the Montana State's going to play both of them, right? North Coast. No, uh, South Dakota State's going to play both. South Dakota State gets to play. They're going to play Montana State. They're going to play North Dakota State I, in the regular season. Yeah. So, for Montana State, you know, they're going to go on the road. They got a chance to make the statement. A lot of people felt like, you know, last year a lot of people felt like South Dakota State was that team that was ready to take the mantle, and they did. A lot of people are pointing towards Montana State. This is the year maybe they take the mantle. Can they run with it? Montana State, I think, at home, great atmosphere. I think I would be chomping at the bit just to go Montana State almost blindly if it was you know, in Bozeman. Um, but it's not. And I'm a firm believer you're the champ until somebody knocks you off. And so I'm going to think the champs. And I think will be a very entertaining, high-scoring affair I think the Jackrabbits win. I think one team will be entertaining and high scoring. Okay. This is the Jacks. This is the Jacks comfortably. Okay. They are that they are as good this year as I think a lot of Bison teams have been in the past. Um, and at home, decent weather, huge crowd, ton of hype for this one. They're going to deliver. This is this is the game where we, this is the game where we find out if SDSU's dominance will um, out outlive John Stigelmeyer's tenure as the head coach, and I think the answer is yes. Give me the Jackrabbits. Extra point: a game that you have to pick an underdog does not hurt you if you get it wrong, but helps you if you get it right. Uh, you know, almost took Citadel at home. I was really leaning that way. I know nobody's going to be on that train but me. I'm going to go, like I said, a team that wins the last week. Everyone thinks everyone's on board of the greatest of all time. And, oh, look at them. And they're the darlings of all of college football. Who's the darlings of all of college football right now? Uh, Colorado? They are. And they are going to lose at home to the Nebraska Cornhuskers in an old matchup of the Big 12. And Nebraska did not look good and lost in a brutal way yet again to Minnesota. Man, I can't go there with you. Nebraska. I don't want you to go there with me. Nebraska just peak huskered. I mean, that was that was Matt Rule has not changed things that much. I was going with an FCS game. I'm kind of torn between two. I really want to get a little bit zany with it. Um, I am going to take. 
Who are the choices, man? See, I was gonna, I was going to do VMI over Bucknell, yeah, which, yeah. but Massey favors VMI Ooh, so not quite the, not decisively. The not the dog. So they are not the dog. So I'm gonna say that a, that uh, the hawk goes in to the dog's house. And ruffles some feathers. Going HBCU. It's it's the eagle actually, not the hawk. I gotta get that one right. The eagle goes into the dog's house. North Carolina Central is the ranked team, but they are an underdog according to Massey at North Carolina A and T. They go on the road and get a statement win early in the year. I love that. I do like that pick. Yeah, it's a good pick. Some of your other picks where you disagree with me, I don't like. Other than that, I like it. Uh, I just went to Senate, I'm telling you. I don't know what it is. I, I, that was a 34-24 game with William & Mary last week for, yeah, for yeah. the Campbells. Campbell's Pete. Or no, Pete Campbell. Just don't, uh, don't tell Robert Harper. It's going to be a little soupy the rest of the way. A lot of Robert Harper too much this show. We'll never talk about it again. <laughs> All right, uh, Saturday, obviously 5.30 kick. It is 4 o'clock on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Their coverage will be back Tuesday as well. Buccaneer Sports Network. Watch the game on TV as well. Oh, you gotta be kidding me!